Why do Bible prophecy ministries give so much significance to the reestablishment of the state of Israel? And why do they often stress that the reestablishment of Israel is a miracle of God? Also, when you consider the fact that the state of Israel contains only six and a half million Jews, while the state is surrounded by 350 million Arabs, is there really any hope that Israel will continue to exist? For a discussion of these questions with an expert on the Middle East, stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. My colleague Nathan Jones and I have a very special guest with us today. His Dr. Gary Frazier, who is an expert on Bible prophecy in the Middle East. In fact, he has been to Israel more than 150 times. Gary, welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Dave, it's great to be with you. Yeah. Nathan, great to be with you guys. Always an honor. Thank you too, sir. Privilege. 150? Seriously? Look at me. Can't you tell how old I am? I mean, I'm it's not out, the man. age, I mean, it's the mileage, right? That's exactly right. Why do you go to Israel so much? Well, you know, when I went there for the very first time as a young preacher in the early 70s, it was a life-changing experience for me. And frankly, i got to tell you, I never got over it. I'm still not over it. I'll never be over it. Okay. Because every time I've made that journey, uh, personally, it has been a time of spiritual renewal in my life. God always speaks to my heart about something special when I'm in mm-hmm. the land. Fortunately, we don't have to go to Israel to find Jesus, but <laughs> no. I will tell you there's a presence of God in the place. And of course, we've now taken well over 2,000 pastors to Israel wow. uh, through our ministry. I'm talking just special times with pastors only, senior pastors of churches, and then tens of thousands of people. So people oftentimes, you know, they, they kind of start calculating 150 times. And if you're 10 days there, you know, blah, blah, blah. blah. I don't know how long you've been in the airplane. Yeah. Oh. And uh, the bottom line is I tell everybody, and Dave, you can certainly relate to this as many times as you've been. It, it's not the trip once we're there. It's mm. getting there and getting home. Oh, so yeah. the Israeli government said to me, they said, hey, what do we need to do to increase tourism to Israel? And I said, it's very simple. Move it closer to America. <laughs> yeah. 11 hours is a long flight. Because well, you know, there uh, with your knees in your mouth, you know, it's a uh, long Gary, flight. you mentioned about the pastors, and, and I just never cease to be amazed at how many pastors have told me. I'll ask them, have you ever been to Israel? And they said, no. When are you going? Well, I don't see any reason to go to Israel. I've got to tell you that one of the things that, and, and I never knew, sometimes God works in ways and you don't really come to understand it until years have gone by. On that very first trip to Israel, one of the people on the bus was, a, well, a couple, was a retired United Methodist pastor and his wife, and they had been given a trip to Israel uh, as a retirement gift. So it was kind of an odd group of people, just to be honest mm-hmm. with you. In fact, on that trip, I heard God called she for the very first time. <laughs> she? And I heard a lot of other things that yeah. was pretty strange. But the, this couple, uh, and I was by myself, we kind of bonded together. So the last day, we're at the garden tomb, and we'd been in the tomb. We're out there. We're kind of, the three of us kind of hugging. We're weeping. We're just rejoicing in the goodness of the Lord. And this senior pastor said, looked at me, and he said, Gary, I'd give anything if I had been able to make this trip at the beginning of my ministry instead of at the end. Now, I don't know, I knew that God, something in my heart resonated at that time, but I continued to pastor, you know, up until 1985. But then God led me into this ministry, and one of the main reasons was because I realized through the years, having been numerous times by that time, and having been through the theological educational system, quote-unquote, 
that the missing ingredient was the significance of Israel, Mm -hmm. the role that they play in Mm -hmm. the end times. And in fact, you can't understand Bible prophecy if you don't get it. Well, even if you have no interest in Bible prophecy, uh, going to Israel will help you better understand the Bible. It turns the Bible from black and white into technicolor. Makes it come alive. Uh, When you read a word like Capernaum, it's no longer a word on a page. You've been there, you've seen it, you've smelt it, you walked around in it. Uh, You get a feel for how small Israel is and and how, how far a person could walk in a day. It, it's just so valuable. It just so enriches a pastor's... Uh, well, and one of the reasons, Dave, I think why so many pastors have this ambivalent attitude toward Israel is, is that when they were in Bible college and seminary, it was just at best uh, maybe a slideshow yeah. by some professor. They, they never connected the dots that you will never properly understand and be able to articulate the Bible without truly, and I mean this, truly walking there. Now, can you preach? Absolutely. But will you ever fully grasp uh, the Word of God in total? And the answer to that is, as a preacher, you can't until, and as you said a moment ago, Capernaum, these sites, the Bible. I remember pastoring in New Orleans and a lady in my church, I'll never forget her name, Mary Milner, stops me one Sunday morning after a message when I preached on the storm on the Sea of Galilee, (laughs) Matthew chapter 8, you know the passage. She said, Pastor, when you were preaching a while ago, I could just see that. And I said, Mary, the reason I could, I drew a picture in yeah. your mind because I have you've been in my there. Own mind. You've seen yeah. it. And you can't do that without yes. that. That's right. Yeah. Well, uh, Gary, we've had you on this program a number of times, and you've always been our, our viewers, one of our favorites. Uh, to say the least, you're very articulate. <laughs> and uh, they love you, and well, we're glad to have you back again. Appreciate you being here. And, and this time we invited you because you have a new book out called The Miracle of Israel. And underneath it says, The Shocking Untold Story of God's Love for His People. And in the beginning of the book, in the introduction, you make this comment, This book is about miracles. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, first of all, uh, I want, I'd like for our viewers to know that that God is still in the miracle working business. Uh-huh. Now, there are personal miracles, and I opened the book with a personal story about how my own precious wife was miraculously touched by God and healed from inoperable, incurable breast cancer. Now, I don't know why God doesn't heal everyone. He doesn't. But to say then that He doesn't heal anyone yes. would be tragically yes. wrong because God does and oftentimes heals, and we don't even, He doesn't get the credit many times for the <laughs> things that He does. So there are personal miracles that take place, but there are also political miracles that take place. And when I say that political, I'm talking about the political side of the rebirth of the nation of Israel. Yes. Because, as you all know, uh, there is, there's never been a people that have been separated from their traditional homeland and remained apart more than two or three hundred years and ever returned and reconstituted themselves back into their and original We're talking homeland. here about 2,000 years. Yeah. This is... Oh, about 2,000 years. Think about that. 2,000 years. And then all of a sudden, God begins to work in ways that most people were unaware of as he begins this process. In 1878 in a barn outside Paris, France, uh, with a man by the name of Eliezer Ben Yehuda to begin to, to stir in his heart the rebirth of the Hebrew language, which was prophesied by Jeremiah. And then he moves in the life of a of a unbelieving atheist, if yes. you please, by the name of Theodore Herzl, yeah. later to convene the first Zionist conference. But this is God miraculously working to keep His promise. And so when you say, what is this book about? 
It is about the fact that we have a promise-keeping God who is still in the miracle business. And if he's kept his promises and is keeping his promises and will keep his promises to Israel, he's going to keep every promise he's made well, to me it's as well. Because Amen. this book Amen. emphasizes one miracle after another after another that you show right. is the reason I selected this image. Oh, okay. Because the it's the bush. image of the burning yeah, bush. Absolutely. And that's a prophecy yes. that uh-huh. throughout its history, right. the nation of Israel would be persecuted, it would be harassed, Jews would be murdered, mm-hmm. and yet they would continue to exist just as that burning Never bush continued to exist. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the greatest miracles that God's ever performed is just the preservation of the Jewish people. Absolutely. Look, the, the world hates the Jews and they don't even know why yeah. mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they haven't figured out yet because what you have is a flesh, secular-driven, humanistic culture that doesn't understand that there is a spiritual war taking place here. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and this war is raging and has raged and will continue, by the way, until Jesus comes. Well, we're going Amen. to take a break here and be back in just a moment and pick up with your book. Okay. Welcome back to Christ and Prophecy and our discussion with Dr. Gary Frazier, the author of a new book called The Miracle of Israel. Gary... You wrote this, co-wrote this actually with a gentleman named Jim Fletcher. Maybe you could tell us a little about him, but why is he and you and all these other experts of Bible prophecy so focused on Israel? Well, Jim is a good buddy of mine, to tell you mm-hmm. the truth. We met Everybody's a good buddy of yours. <laughs> well, <laughs> I love people. And uh, Jim and I got to know each other back a number of years ago when, uh, uh, because he worked with a group that was actually doing some publishing for me. And Jim uh, is a remarkable individual. Mm-hmm. He, is, uh, he has a great grasp of culture. He loves Israel, first of all. And one of the things that God has really led him very strongly to dig into is this satanic philosophy called replacement theology. Mm-hmm. And Jim is really one of the best guys that I know, in, know of today really to converse with about that. And he speaks often on that and writes often on it. So I, I just invited him. I said, Jim, look, you know, I want to write a book on Israel. And uh, I want you to kind of co-author that with me. And uh, he agreed to. And it was really a great relationship. Excellent. Because yeah. we, the we, product turned out great. Both of us wrote and we reconciled. And it was came out to be very Well, it, it, it is. And one of the reasons that, I, you know, I never recommend a book to the public unless I've read it, first of all. I yeah. just I have you. to read I, it. Me too. And uh, this, the reason I'm recommending this one is because it is down to earth, easy to understand, full of um, wonderful prophecies from the Bible that have been fulfilled already in and the history stories, of Israel. Lots of stories. It's a really, really a, yeah. a, an easy read and I just loved it. And I compliment you on it. It's, well, uh, it's really well done. And and you have in it, one of the features is you'll you'll have a, a, a dialogue going along and all of a sudden you'll have an amazing prophecy. Mm-hmm. Share one of those now amazing prophecies with us. that was Jim's idea. Okay. That was Jim's, that was Jim's okay. idea to put that amazing prophecy well, it's good. in there. And then you show how it was fulfilled. Well, give us an yeah. example of an amazing prophecy. Well, first of all, gosh, I'm trying to think. There's so many of them. But, I you know, know, I think one of the, the things that's, that, that is so amazing to me is, is that in June of 1967, when Israel was about to be attacked by Jordan, Syria, and Egypt, and so forth, that they launched a preemptive strike. And when you look at what some of the miracles that took place in 1967... Now, remember the War of Independence had already occurred in 1948. It had 19 years following that. The country was in the process of getting, you know, being built up. And, and they formulated, of course, obviously the IDF and the Israeli Defense Forces and so forth. And, and God was blessing the land. He was blessing everything that was happening in that part of the world. 
uh, in Israel I'm talking about. But during that war, this, this was a situation where that could have been a, could have been a real uh, serious situation for Israel had they not won this war. And they realized that they were, gonna, they were about to be attacked, so they launched this preemptive strike. Mm-hmm. But miracles, God did miracle after miracle after miracle to make sure to preserve the fact that they were there. And he did it, by the way, he did it again in 1973. Oh, no. mm-hmm. And so in the book, what we've tried to do is we've documented some of these miracles uh, that were recorded. You and I both know that years ago there was an incredible book, a tiny little book written called Battle for Israel mm-hmm. by a British preacher by the name of Lance Lambert. Do you yes. remember that? Remember the early, in the early days of our relationship? I had we the talk about privilege that. of meeting him. Exactly. And, and Lance had done a lot of research and studying. We pulled some information from some of the things he'd, he had done. Plus, uh, there were other things. Uh, uh, there was a great series done called Against All Odds mm-hmm. uh, that chronicled some of these miracles yeah. as well. So we pulled a lot of that information that we were familiar with and, and put it into the book under these amazing facts. Well, one of the uh, prophecies that you talk about as being so amazing is Isaiah fifty four oh, seventeen, yeah. which says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. How has that been fulfilled? Well, first of all, God has done that because obviously the weapons have been formed against Israel over and over and over war again. War after war after war. Absolutely. 48, 67, uh, 73, the, the, the uh, Lebanon incursion in the 82s. And it's, it's just gone on and on and on. And, and we were talking a little bit while ago during the break that, you know, this is a spiritual war that is taking place. Yes. And people don't realize this. And while the world may form a weapon against the Jewish people, it's them versus him. And they have (laughs) zero chance of success. Why is that? Because God has so strategically placed Israel in that part of the world, first of all, to infect the entire unbelieving world with the reality of the presence of the Creator. But more importantly, God has structured uh, His eternal plan for the ages, and Israel is the key ingredient to that. And and they are going to survive all the way to the end because this book very clearly lays out the final chapter in the history of the world, and Israel is vital to that part. And so there, no one is going to ever drive them out. What you're saying reminds me of one of my all-time favorite political cartoons which we're showing on the screen right now, and it shows the major leaders of the world having a tug-of-war with Netanyahu. And they're on one end of the rope, he's on the other end, and he has no hope whatsoever except that there's this great big finger from heaven <laughs> that's down on the end of his rope. Uh, that's right. I've often <laughs> said, you know, the great tragedy for the, for the Muslim world has been that if they had been wise enough, they could have somehow, we didn't have cell phones and, and fax machines and all that, that, inf- that technology, but had they been wise enough to find an evangelical Bible-believing Christian and said to them, hey, uh, we're about to attack Israel. Uh, are we going to be able to defeat them? And they could have gotten a positive resounding. <laughs> saved a no, lot of planes you have and no chance. I mean, You could have saved yeah. the lives well, of people. Zechariah right? says in the end times that Israel is yeah. going to be like David against Goliath. Exactly. You know, yep. Well, Gary, going back... Obviously, Israel's, the miracles that are happening then in the past, the miracles that are happening now show that God is using Israel's prophetic time clock. So I can see then why you always focus on that. Right. But I love the stories you put in the book, and particularly you put, I don't know if it's Mikey or Mickey, Mickey, Mickey. Marcus. Yeah. And he was a retired American soldier who played a major role in Israel's war of independence. Tell us that story, would you? Well, what happened was, uh, in the days leading up to uh, the restoration of the state of Israel, 
there, you know, the, now remember where we are. We, World War II has come to an end. Mm -hmm. The Holocaust uh -huh. camps have been emptied out. Those few that survived and so forth. They migrated back into the land. But these are people that had survived the Holocaust. They were, only 600,000 of them. Exactly. And they were not, they were not soldiers. They were, no. they were ill-equipped. Physically, right, they were, they were in, in, in terrible, terrible condition as well. This is what Israel had when they were getting ready to become a state. Now, remember that we had about 640,000 Jews in mm -hmm. Israel, surrounded at that time by about 50 million Muslims. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, here they are talking about the, the, the fulfillment of the promise of God that they would return to their land, and yet without a military. So how are you going to do this? Mm -hmm. So what happened was uh, this American soldier... Uh, Colonel Marcus. Who was Jewish. David he? Marcus was a Jew, obviously Marcus. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he's a Jew, and he really was ambivalent about the whole thing to Israel until he was challenged by some friends because the Israeli government actually talked to him, the, uh, certain officials that were going to be in the Israeli government, about helping them because they needed assistance. Actually, there was a law in the United States that you could not lend aid mm -hmm. to a foreign nation. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So Marcus kind of subverted that and, be, and goes to Israel, starts training their military for them, involved with, of course, David Ben-Gurion, who would be the first prime minister of Israel, to teach them, you know, strategy, tactics, and so forth yeah. and so on. And it, this was seeming like an impossible task almost. And yet, uh, the bottom line was they built what was called the New Burma Road because at the time the, the Muslim army had separated Cut off the road to the Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Yeah. and, and any time they tried to get food and supplies to Jerusalem, they were the, the convoys were being destroyed and so forth and so on. And the people were starving to death. In hmm. fact, a friend of David, of mine and yours, uh, by the name of Avi Shemesh, one of our guides, mm -hmm. was a little boy, ten years of age, <laughs> uh, living in Jerusalem, and they and he tells the story about how they could not get food. And they actually cut certain grasses from the field that they knew they could eat, and they survived off of off grass. Of grass. But, but Marcus led them to build a road across a mountain that nobody said, they said it couldn't be done. They did it. I've they seen that road, supplies. and I would have said it couldn't have been done. <laughs> I'm too. with you. I, I have seen that road as well. <laughs> and, uh, but I will tell you, our listeners should know this. Hollywood doesn't do many things right. They made a great movie sure did. Yeah. called, you know the name of it, can't think of it right off hand, but I've seen it about five times. It's called To Cast a Giant Shadow. Yes, that's right. And that's it right. is, and, and actually what I did was I bought that DVD, and a lot of times I, we have movie night in Israel, and I show it oh, to people because on site it's the story basically of Colonel Marcus and the rebirth of the state of Israel. Yeah. But the tragedy of that was is that when they had been successful, he goes out one evening to the, uh, to, into the forest to quote-unquote relieve himself. Yeah. And they changed guards while he was gone. And a young Israeli guard there, they changed the password. And when they, he was, as he was approaching, the young soldier said, what's the password? And he said, hey, I'm, I, you know. And the young guy, out of fear, yeah. shoots and kills him. He didn't know the he password. Dies there. And so today, when you travel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem up the 48 car door, on the left-hand side there, you will see a monument built to, uh, in, in honor of Colonel Marcus, wow. David Marcus. It's a great story. Wow. We only have a, just about a minute and a half left, and, and there's so much that I would like to ask you about. Uh, what's the future of Israel? Well, when we wrote the book, uh, Jim and I wanted to do it past, present, and future. Yes. And the future of Israel is simply this. 
God has not finished with the Jewish people. Amen. God is continuing to work. And by the way, there are Jews coming to Christ that are realizing that Jesus is the Messiah. And uh, it's a very slow process. But ultimately, we know what's going to happen. <clears throat> There's going to be a peace covenant signed in Daniel 9. <clears throat> Excuse me. We know all about that in chapter 29, verses 24 through 27. That will give Israel a temporary peace. And that in the middle of that, that will be destroyed when the Antichrist in Revelation 13 assigns everyone to take a mark or a number and so forth. We know that while we love and support Israel and pray for the Jewish people, uh, because we really do love them. Christians have a love for the Jews. Absolutely. We love them. Why? True because our, <laughs> our Messiah was a Jew. Uh, but that said, the darkest days for Israel, days even darker than the Holocaust lie ahead because the Bible tells us in Zechariah uh, chapter 13, verse 8, that two-thirds of all the Jews <clears throat> living in the land are going to perish. And that just breaks my heart when I look uh, and, and I'll be leaving again just in a few days to go over and I think about the Jewish people and what the future holds and it's devastating me. But the great promise is, as Paul says in Romans 10, 11 rather, and then so all Israel shall be saved. Amen. You know, Zechariah 12 <clears throat> verse 10 says that they'll look upon him that's whom right. they have pierced and they'll weep and mourn for well, him. Well, that's the reason God's going, going to allow coming. that carnage to happen is because he's going to bring them to the end of themselves. Totally. Where they finally look yeah. upon him. And then they'll look upon him and then when that happens, then Paul's prophecy will come true. And what a glorious day that will be. But the tragedy is before the great salvation there's the great persecution. Well we're going to take another break and when we come back we're going to ask you to comment on President Obama's legacy with Israel. Welcome back to Christ and Prophecy and our discussion with Dr. Gary Frazier, the author of a new book called The Miracle of Israel. So Gary, how would you assess President Obama's legacy as it relates to Israel? Oh my goodness, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, well, he wanted to know. Where, where do you begin? <laughs> Go blame it on me. Yeah. Huh? We have not had such an anti-Israel administration yes. in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. To see uh, the, the continuous... Uh, attacks, if you please, on not only the leadership of Israel trying to subvert uh, the Netanyahu uh, administration, but just the constant uh, open uh, uh, favoritism shown to the Palestinians and as opposed to the Jewish people. There there was nothing right. But you know, as as I look at the overall scenario, and as as we did through these last eight years uh, of his administration, you can see that while he would smile and say with his mouth, you know, we're the friend of Israel, the Israelis knew and everybody in the administration knew he was the enemy of the nation of he Israel. He was stabbing them in the back. He while certainly he was. And, and I can't even begin to list all of the ways that he did that. But he proved to us in his last parting shot when he left the White House to turn over, what was it, 250 million? Half a billion, or half a billion, half dollars, a billion dollars, uh, dollars to the Palestinian In addition authority. to. Lifting the veto in the United Nations. Yes, in addition to that. And that was a major deal. But one of the things that strikes me as being one of the most severe things he did was the Iranian deal. Oh, yeah. And he yeah. did. He wants Iran to destroy Iran. Israel just, by all indications. And when he sent that boat, that airplane mm-hmm. full of money there, and the things that this man did, not, not only some of which I got to question the legality of these things, but he got a pass on getting away with it. But here's the thing. Here, and here's the thing that I take comfort in. God knows 
And God will right the wrongs. And one day, I'm going to tell you something, and I'm going to be bold in my statement here. Barack Obama is going to stand before a holy God. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm glad that I'm not going to be beside him. Well, you know, the Lord, uh, the Lord gave him tick for tat on one thing, and that is that he sent a whole group to Israel to interfere in the Israeli elections exactly. and try to defeat Netanyahu. Mm-hmm. And then it turned around, and, and the Democrats are, 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 are complaining about interference in American elections. Yeah. Well, the Lord did to him exactly what uh, he yeah. did to yeah. Israel. Well, God has a, God has a way of, uh, of taking care of those things. <laughs> and the good news is, is that they're gone. And we now have a very pro-Israel administration uh, and who understands at least through the help of evangelicals and others that God has a plan for the Jews. And we need my, to my, my concern, though, about that is that, yes, there are some people around Trump who understand that, but I'm not sure he does. And uh, I, I think that um, Trump is a guy who, who, who makes deals and mm-hmm. he, he prides himself. In, right. And he's already said he's going to send his son-in-law over there and they're yeah, going to settle this whole thing. Yeah. And he doesn't understand this is a spiritual thing. It is yeah. not a political thing. It cannot be solved. And I fear that once he runs into a brick wall and he cannot solve it politically, that he will then begin to put pressures on the Israelis like everybody else has done. Well, and, and Dave, that's a real possibility and a danger. In fact, I, I share your concern. You know, I had the privilege of meeting along with about 30 other uh, leaders, uh, David Friedman, the right. new ambassador right. from Wonderful man. Israel. Yeah. And I t- and, but I had about 10 minutes with him alone before the group meeting, and I talked to him about the absolute necessity of standing firm with Israel when the pressure comes. Yeah. And I said to Ms. Friedman, I know that you know this, but you're going to have to communicate this to the president because this will get down to crunch time at some mm-hmm. point in time. Mm-hmm. And the pressure that and is they always exerted, want Israel to give. That's exactly. <laughs> the pressure is always on Israel. You give. Israel cannot give. They must not give. And, by, and, and we should not force them. And by the way, one of the things, and, and I think this is really important, is that we must never forget that Genesis 12 is just as true today as the day that God said to Abraham, I'll bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, him will I curse. And we have to be careful in America. We've made that mistake. We need to not make it again. Well, welcome back, folks, to our uh, interview with uh, Dr. Gary Frazier. And uh, Gary, we have really appreciated you being with us today. Well, always a joy. I know you're a very busy man, (laughs) usually always on airplane going to Israel. Somewhere. But uh, we just, I just loved your book, The Miracle of Israel, and we're going to tell our viewers how to get a hold of a copy of it. But would you just look into the camera there and tell folks how to get in touch with you? Absolutely. Well, first of all, the easiest way is our website. It's just GaryFrazier.com. It's just that simple. And on that website... Uh, We have not only the books that I've written, but also a lot of free stuff, free PowerPoints and various other kinds of things. And and so we'd love to hear from you at GaryFrazier.com. And guys, thank you so much for letting me be a part of this program. And folks, let me tell you something else about Gary. He's one of the greatest evangelists I've ever heard preach in my life. He knows how to touch souls for Jesus Christ. So invite him to come to your church and hold an evangelistic meeting. Well, that's it, folks. That's our program for this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope you'll be back with us next week, the Lord willing. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. 
Dr. Gary Frazier's outstanding book, Miracle of Israel, can be yours for a gift of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. The book provides a down-to-earth, easy-to-understand overview of the past, present, and future of the nation of Israel. It is illustrated throughout with photographs and contains many inserts called Fascinating Facts. It also emphasizes Bible prophecies that were fulfilled in whole or in part during the 20th century, clearly indicating that we are living in the season of the Lord's return. We can provide you a copy for a gift of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. Place your order by calling the number you see on the screen Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time or order online at lamblion.com. Are you living with hope in the end times? Make plans now to attend this year's annual Bible conference and banquet on July 14th and 15th. Register at lamblion.com today or by contacting us at 972-736-3567 Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time. Hurry, seating is limited. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 